Welcome to the At TSN Hockey Every Other Friday Bobcast, featuring the original hockey insider, Bob McKenzie. Hey, that's me, answering your questions on hockey or just about anything else, within reason, of course. If you have a question you would like answered, email me at bobcast at bellmedia.ca. That's B-O-B-C-A-S-T at bellmedia.ca. And we'll try to get it on the Bobcast. We were a blowout of wicked proportions. An accidental company. Hey, everyone. Welcome back for year two of the At TSN Hockey Bobcast. I can't wait to get started. Although, technically, that's exactly what I'm going to do. Wait a little bit. I do plan on doing one preseason episode of the Bobcast later this month, probably on Friday, September 22nd. But we'll start things up for real on Friday, October 6th, the first Friday of the new National Hockey League regular season. And like last year, we plan on going every other Friday with the Bobcast. As always, if you have a question for the Bobcast, be sure to email it to bobcast at bellmedia.ca. That's B-O-B. C-A-S-T at bellmedia.ca. In the meantime, I'm hoping you might perhaps enjoy this preseason interview I did with Montreal Canadian General Manager Mark Bergevin. I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I did conducting it. Thanks for listening to the Bobcast. And if you're not already subscribing to the Bobcast, be sure to do so on iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, tsn.ca, or wherever you get your podcast. So look forward to another season of the Bobcast. Come back at you on Friday, September 22nd. And uh, here's that interview I promised you. Well, Mark, as I prepare for these interviews, I, I try to get a handle on where the team is at. Um, you know, is, is it a uh, cup contending team? Is it a playoff team? Uh, is it a bubble team? Is it a team that's not very good? Is it a team on the way up or is it a team on the way down? And when I look at the Montreal Canadiens and try to get a an assessment of where they're at right now. It's a little confusing because if I look at the last four seasons, three of the last four years, you've had 100-plus points, and the only year you didn't was the year that Carey Price was injured and you missed the playoffs, and, and that indicates a really good team. If I look at your playoff record uh, in each of the last three years that you've made the playoffs, you went from losing in the third round, losing in the second round, losing in the first round, getting further away from where you want to be. So. Let me ask you, where are the Montreal Canadiens? What are reasonable expectations for this season? And, and what would be a measure of success for your team? Well, obviously for me uh, and for our fans in Montreal, playoff is what we're all uh, judge about. And I realize that. I also realize that uh, making the playoff, it's, uh, it's, it's difficult. There's very good teams uh, that do miss the playoff. If you look in our uh, division, I mean, the Toronto Maple Leaf are upcoming. Uh, Ottawa went far last year. Uh, I believe Florida and Tampa would be better, and they, they, they should be a playoff team. So Boston's another team that made the playoffs. So it's going to be tough to make the playoff, but I, I believe we have a team that will compete to make the playoff. And uh, you mentioned earlier losing Carey Price was, you know, was almost uh, impossible to overcome. So staying healthy is a key, but then competing every night to be a playoff team. And I honestly believe that once you're in the playoff, anything's possible. And last year we saw again the team that in the West finish eight, you know, and end up in the Stanley Cup final. So uh, it, it's difficult, but I believe we're, we're, we're a team that uh, should make the playoff and has to make the playoff. You're right about making the playoffs. Every general manager I talk to says the same thing. It's never, it's never guaranteed to make the playoffs. But does it disturb you that the trend for your team in the playoffs 
when you've made it recently has been to get to the conference final, to lose in the second round, to lose in the first round. And was that why maybe you made as many changes as you did? Well, obviously, uh, yeah, we made changes based. Make, losing in the first round, it's not something we're looking for. But also, I believe last year, you know, we played the Rangers, a team that uh, it's a good hockey team and uh, could have won either way. But uh, we didn't score many goals. It's not that we didn't have the goal scoring, it just we didn't produce. The goal scorers were there and they happened to be dry in that series. So uh, could things turn around? Yes. Uh, do I believe if we get in the playoff LT, we could win a few rounds and who knows from there? I believe that. We often talk about the window opening and closing on different teams and when their best opportunity is to win. Um, you're by no means uh, an old team. You've got a lot of young players on your team, but you've also got 30-year-old Carey Price, a 32-year-old Shea Weber, uh, Max Pacioretty, 28. Um, what what do you think the window is for the Montreal Canadiens to be at their absolute best to to have a chance to win that cup? Well, if you base it, and the, the the players you mentioned are key players, obviously, but uh, Vlongquist last year, uh, older goaltender, and had, had success. I mean, he was very good in the playoffs. So I believe Carey's got uh, many years ahead of him. And as we're getting older, we have to bring some new blood, new new young players. And I thought by making the trade, giving up young prospect in Sergachev, which a very good prospect, getting uh, Jean-Tan Duin was a, a step towards the direction. So we keep filling up with young players so it could be our window could be uh, longer than you know a shorter window another extraordinary thing i find about the montreal canadians is the amount of turnover and change you've had on the blue line and and i have zero interest in talking about the pk suban trade for shea weber that's ancient history it's been there done that we got the t-shirt um but when you look at where this team was with its defense the core of the team a few years ago so it was PK, it was Markov, it was Petrie, uh, it was uh, Beaulieu and, and Yemelin. And now you go into this season and the only guy left from that group of five that was so prominent two or three years ago is Petrie. Um, what did you not like about your defense that required as many changes as you've made? Well, we live in a cap world where we have to make our decision. Uh, Obviously, having a young uh, stud defenseman, those defensemen you keep forever, as long as you can. And the guys you mentioned were good defensemen, but uh, I wouldn't say they were those studs, young defensemen that, you know, you can say uh, 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 Toronto with, with Morgan Riley have. So uh, we have, and a lot of NHL teams do that now. There's a lot of turnaround, and that's what we did. And we try to stay, uh, comp we, we try, we, we liked, we love to have kept Andre Markov, but uh, we didn't work out a deal. Uh, but obviously, uh, we, we made some changes, but I think we're better. Let's talk about this, the defense. What do you, the way you've constructed it now, with Shea obviously is the number one guy and a new cast around him, what do you like about it that you think allows them maybe to be better than the group you had before? Well, you, when you lose a guy like uh, Alexey Emelin, we try to replace with a player that's similar or at least play that same style. And bringing Carl Alsner, play a really solid defensive hockey, and, and we feel that we didn't take a step backward. Uh, and the Schlemko and Jordy Bent came last year. Those guys that play, move the puck quick, 
and that's how our forwards like to get the style we play. We, we move pucks, we move pucks. It doesn't mean we have to carry, we have to move it, and I think that's the style we're playing now. So I see a lot of teams now in the NHL who are having success are moving puck quickly, and that's what we're trying to do. I know it's up to Claude Julien to make the decision, but who, who do you envision or who might be a good partner for Shea Weber on that top pair? It's a good question. It's I think it remains to be seen in training camp. There's a few options. Kyle Osner could be one of them. Jordy Ben would play very well for us last year, so it might be by committee, but uh, uh, right now we'll do a lot of experience during the play uh, during the preseason. Beyond Shea and, and say Petrie's on your second pair, do you have any sense of how the pairings might look? Or? Not right now. We'll, we'll, we'll do a lot of experience during the, the preseason. There's no question that the, the contract that you gave Alsner, the, the contract that Schlemko's on, Petrie as well, Jordy Ben. So for the next two to five years, this is, this is your defense. And uh, I just want to try to get a sense from you on what you think the strength of that group is. Uh, puck moving. Uh, good solid defensive hockey. We don't want our team to be a defensive hockey team, but we want our team to play a, a, a responsible de defensive hockey, and that's what these guys do. Uh, Jordy Ben came last year, and he was, uh, to all surprise, he was very good, played very well for us, and uh, I feel he's going to have a major role this year. You've got a player coming uh, that came coming from the Czech Republic, and Jacob Jarabek. Yeah. Not a lot of people are aware of him. Give us a scouting report on him, and and. Is he a player that could be in your top six? Could he play higher in the lineup? Or where does he fit in and, and, and what's his game all about? Well, remain to be seen. Obviously, he's a good puck mover. He skates well. He's never played over here, so we'll watch him closely in training camp. But he could definitely be on our top six. He seems like he's got a little more offensive potential or dimension than some of your other guys. Yeah, I mean, we brought Mark Streit also who uh, played some big minutes in Philly last year. Won a Stanley Cup. Was in Montreal before. And we feel he could kind of feel an important role for us also. If Weber and Alzer and Petrie and Schlemko and Ben are the, the core of the defense, and I think they are, um, how do you see you know Davidson and Morrow and Streit, uh, Brett Lernout, um, competing for those other spots? Is there anybody that you feel has a, has a leg up on those other no, guys? You know what I look at, Bob, uh, in camp, uh, right now nobody's up, nobody's we have no injuries. And... I mean, a week from now, I could be looking for defensemen. So everybody's looking for defensemen during the season. Uh, competition in camp uh, will be uh, it'll be tight, and you know, guy deserved to be there will be there. Is Noah Juleson NHL ready yet, or is he best served to play some time? In, uh, he's about? very he's very close. Again, it'll depend where our, our training camp plays out. But the so he'll get a shot. Oh yeah, we'll yeah. have a close and look at it during training camp. Yes. A lot of people are talking about the uh, the $8 million in cap space that you've got. And, and obviously, as you said, you mentioned Andre Markov. If you'd signed him, it would have gone to him. We'll talk about Radulov in, in a little bit, but the money could have obviously gone to him. But it's an unusual situation for a team like the Montreal Canadiens in a, in a single season to have that much available cap space um, going into the year. Um, Fans are wondering how you're going to spend that. Um, do you have any ideas at this point? As we speak, no. It's nice to have. It's an asset to have. I have cap, cap space. But, again, I didn't go into the uh, the offseason wanting to have cap space. It's nice to have. Uh, but also, if you're going to spend it, you need players to spend it on. And right now, there's nothing really available. And uh, who knows what could happen. Um, you mentioned Markov, um, that you would have liked to have him back. Let's just go back to that for a minute. Um, he was a, a real important player on your team for, for a long time. Um, and as I say, you've got 
the money, obviously. Did he, did he, was he insisting on a two-year deal that you weren't prepared to give him? Or what was the ultimate reason why Andre Markov's not back with the Montreal Canadiens? Originally it was the term, and then uh, that was in June. But you need to remember, once a player wants a longer-term deal, you have to look somewhere else. And if he comes back and changes his mind, then you already made some moves. So that was one of the reasons also. But at the end, he did want a one-year one deal. But you know the number that he wanted, that, that we're willing to give, was not. It wasn't close. I thought I made an offer where we had the player locked in, but uh, that wasn't good enough. And I respect that. And he decided to go back home. And you know, right now he's playing in in, in the KHL. The um, the whole eight million dollar cap space. Cap space can be a fleeting thing. And, and obviously, um, you got the Carey Price extension done. It doesn't kick in until next year. Um, that might change the the financial landscape for you. Um, Kerry's deal kind of redefines the market for goaltenders, and, and he's a good guy to redefine it because, I mean, he's, he's as good as it gets, but um, I can't imagine you were too surprised when Jerry Johansson walked in the office and saw that the number was going to be north of 10. Uh, no, obviously you try to get the best number as you can, and not, not because a carry is not worth it, it's because you're trying to build a team around him. But at the end of the day, uh, we, we agree on the number, and uh, I'm comfortable with it, and Carey's comfortable, and we're going to move forward with that. Probably lucky he didn't come in asking for 12, because you might have had to give it to him. <laughs> Don't tell him that. <laughs> <laughs> Too late. Um, can you build a Stanley Cup contender paying a goaltender $10.5 million? Because when I mention redefining the market, I mean... I think Lundqvist was at 8.5, yeah. and then most of the goalies at 7, 6, yeah, 5, yeah. 4. That, that's a huge redefinition of what the elite goaltender in the National Hockey League gets. And, and so no team has had to deal with giving that percentage of cap space to a goaltender. Yeah, I mean, you saw the... Uh, sometimes you have to look at what are the options. And uh, not having Carey Price... <laughs> I think we saw the picture, we saw the movie, it wasn't pretty. So uh, I made that decision and I'm going to live with it. Kerry's obviously your most important player. He's a franchise player. As you make moves um, and reconstruct your defense and, and do things, do you, do you ever talk to Kerry about the stuff you're doing or is he just a player and, and you know, he... When he comes to the rink, he finds out who's going to play in front. Well, I'll tell you something funny. Every year at the end of the exit meetings, you, we, I give the player an exit meeting. Kerry gives me an exit meeting. He goes, make this team better. <laughs> <laughs> now that Kerry's in his 30s, and, and by no means am I suggesting he's old by, by any stretch, but now that he's in his 30s, do, do you look a little more at the number of games that he plays and try to manage that a little bit? Yeah, every year we do. We talk with our goalie coach and Claude, and we have a number in mind where we feel comfortable, and he does feel comfortable also. It's not, you know, it's not trying to get 120 points. It's trying to get, you know, get in and have a carry healthy and ready to go in the playoffs. So you got a number you're comfortable with. What is it? It's around, you know, between 55 and 60, roughly. So that make, makes the important the. the the importance of the backup goaltender, obviously, very significant. Al Montoy is the veteran guy that's there right now, but Charlie Lindgren is a guy that looks like he's coming. Is there a battle for the backup here, or is Charlie better off to be the number one goalie in the American League and, and let Montoya do his thing behind Kerry? Well, right now I would say, you know, uh, Charlie needs to play some games. He's still a young goaltender. Uh, very first uh, full pro uh, season last year. So in the perfect world, he plays another year in the minors and uh, gets some games, gets some lot of pucks. And Al has been the backup to Kerry. Another big change you made was behind the bench and Michelle tearing out and Claude Julien in. 
This is Claude's first full year um, as the head coach of the Canadians. Um, what do you think that will mean in terms of the way the hockey club plays? Well, Claude, uh, I, I mean, first of all, Mike did a great job. I thought for four and a half years in Montreal, uh, at the end of the day, I had to make a hard decision, you know, for, 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 for the good of the hockey team. And Claude was available and he came in and Claude has his structure set. And I think training camp from day one, uh, sending his message that it's hard to come in. You know, he came in February, late in the season, and the team was fragile at the time. So right now, just he put a little stem on the team. And I see a team that's going to play hard every night, compete every night. And, uh, you know, I, I believe with Chloe we could be another playoff team next year. I don't ask this question to disparage Michelle at all because you're absolutely right. He's a very good coach. But how might the Canadians be noticeably different under Claude in terms of a philosophy or a strategy or an attitude? Are they going to be more aggressive, less aggressive, more offensive, less offensive? Is there a sort of a, an identity that would be much different under Claude than it would be under Michelle? Well, it's hard to tell because they're both very structured. I mean, to have success in this league, you have to be a good coach. And I think, you know, if you look at every teams now, they pretty much play the same. There's not a big gap between the style they play. It's 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 the structure, all the guys apply and how they buy into it. And like every coach, you know, uh, after a certain time, the message doesn't get through as much. And I think that's what happened with Mike. And now with, with, with Claude, I think we'll restructure, playing more tighter hockey. And uh, with the players we had, hopefully we could, you know, bring more some, uh, uh, the pace, pick up the pace of our team. I will say this about you, you're not afraid to, to make a big move. We saw it when you made the, the PK for Shea deal. And we saw it again, I think, this year when you, you made the trade for Jonathan Drew. And can you talk a little bit about what went into the decision to get uh, Jonathan? Well, uh, once I knew he w it, was, it was available, uh, that skill level at that young age, I call it a game breaker. Uh, and obviously, you know, he had uh, some up and down in Tampa, and there's a reason why they decide to move him. You know, either it's contract cap situation, we all have our different issues, but I had to make an effort to get him. And the price to pay was very high. I, you know, we, when you, the season we had two years ago, finish picking up ninth overall, that means you didn't make the playoff, and we suffer all from it. And we were able to draft a young kid in Sergei um, uh, Sergeyev. And that's who Stevie wanted to. And to pay the price to get a Jonathan DeWine, I had to give up a Sergachev. And at the end of the day, I had to do it. I know you talked to Tampa about Drouin over the course of the season. You weren't able to get a deal done. A after the trade deadline went by and and you you didn't make a move, um, you were very adamant about it. And, and you said, I'm not giving yeah, up Sergachev. And, and, and again, I'm not using your words to damn you because, hey, things change. Your general manager, every general manager reserves the right to say, hey, circumstance changes. But what changed from the trade deadline under no circumstances am I giving away a big piece of our future on the blue line to I got to do it? Was it simply what you saw in the playoffs said, I got to change this up? A little bit, but also just to go on the record, during the season, I never had a talk with uh, Stevie with about Jonathan Dwayne. Uh, other team were calling me about Sergachev, and the player they were offering me were older. And when I had the ch chance to get a 22-year-old, uh, in my view, when an elite skilled forward, yes, I gave up a young asset, but I get also a very young asset. So I wasn't willing to give up an 18-year-old for a 28-year-old, you know, something like that, which was at his prime. Knowing that uh, Dwayne was available to me, I had to make the I had to make the move. 
I know every general manager in the National Hockey League doesn't give a fig about where a player comes from, what his background is, what language he speaks, any of that. But I mean, how cool is it that that a really exciting, young, potential offensive yeah. superstar in the National Hockey League grew up a Montreal Canadian fan just north of the city? And, and how great is it for the Montreal Canadiens to have a potential francophone superstar in their lineup? Well, I, I, don't, I can't remember last time they had one. It's, you know, I mean, uh, a superstar that, that potentially can be, like you mentioned, Bobby. He's not today, but he has the potential to be. Uh, I think our fans are going to love it. And, 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 and I've talked to Joe many times. He embraced the fact that he is from Montreal and he wants to play for the Canadian. And for him, it's fun. It's going to be fun. And uh, I'm looking forward to having on our team. Yeah, you, you know yourself as a guy that played in the league. Not every guy that grew up in oh. and around Montreal wants to play in Montreal because it brings with it an enormous amount of pressure but he strikes me as a kid that he, he almost welcomes that, he, that that he's really excited for that challenge now once you get into the, the once you get into the stew you never know but he looks like a kid who, who in my mind might be able to handle this he, he he looks the part and he wants it and it remains to be seen but I, I honestly believe just by his body language the way he conducts himself the way he talks he really wants to be there and he wants to be successful now I think there's a, a sense that Claude's going to give him an opportunity to see if he can play center and and quite possibly on what would be your number one line with Max Pacioretty and who knows who the right winger will be could be Arturi Lekkinen could be Alish Hemsky could be Brendan Gallagher um, how difficult do you think it would be for a player who's trying to adapt coming in with all that pressure of being French-Canadian potential superstar in Montreal to also throw the learning curve of now you got to play center in the National Hockey League? Uh, again, training camp will be big. We'll, be, uh, we'll watch him closely. Uh, but I think he has the character to do that. Again, can he play that position every night uh, for 82 games? That I don't know. But he has the, the skill level, the vision to be able to play that position now. Can he do it? We'll, 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 we'll sure watch him closely and we'll... Uh, We'll make sure he's in the right spot. Whether he can or he can't um, play center, I don't think there's any question when you look at your lineup, the, the big question mark for the Montreal Canadiens as a, as a potential cup contender is the fact that you lack the, the high-profile number one center. You know, is Dano a National Hockey League center? Absolutely. Seven days a week he is. Um, you, you've got depth at that position. But every Stanley Cup winner we look at, doesn't matter. Jonathan Taves, Sydney, Pittsburgh has two, Crosby yep. and Malkin, Kopitar in LA, up and down the lineup. Boston wins a cup, Bergeron. Every team always has a signature center yep. on the team. And some people would say, not only do you lack that signature number one, but that on a really good team, Deno might be a number three. And, and you don't have a, a pure number two center. Uh, how do you... How do you reconcile that going into the season? And is, is there any way for you to address that? Because, I mean, outside of drafting them in the top five, it's awfully difficult to do. It's almost impossible. And then you look at history, how it repeats itself. You have to get these guys in the draft, and you get them draft them early, unless they fall and, like, the Bergeron, a second-round pick. But if Boston knew or anybody else knew he was going to be that good, he would have went way earlier. So we're, we're, we're doing the best we can. I'm watching the market, but, you know, as well as I do, these guys are not available. So uh, we'll figure it out. Hopefully, Joe could uh, get the job done. And uh, with with uh, with Carey and Net, uh, you know, like I said, you get in the playoff, you get in the role, anything's possible. Not saying Alex Gilchenyuk will never be a center, but I think 
realistically, based on what we saw last year, even after the coaching change, he, he always ends up back on the wing. Until further notice, should we just assume that Alex Galchenyuk is a left winger for the Montreal Canadiens and, and not a full-time option at centre? I think it's a good way to put it. Until further notice, he's a winger. Uh, last year, he, uh, he started very well, got hurt in L.A., I remember, in December, and never got back. And then even with a coaching change, you know, we put him on the wing. And unless we see that he's able to take... Because playing centre in this league, is, it's hard. Uh, you have to be on both sides of the puck. And uh, right now, last year, especially, Alex had a hard time, so hopefully he'll be back. But as further notice, he's going to be a winger. Thomas Lucanet's last contract here, he's been a real good and serviceable National Hockey League player, but he doesn't generate a lot of offense. Is there any way at this stage of the game that you think you could challenge him to deliver a little more offense? Yeah, up to, until last year he did. It was about a 50-point season, almost yeah. 60, and then last year he took a step back. Now, hopefully, we had, we had some meeting. Claude met with him, and hopefully, uh, he'll turn back his game where he should be, where he can be. But again, that remains to be seen. But you know, he does a lot of good things away from the puck, also. Maybe it doesn't matter. But who's your number two center? Is it Dano or is it Placanitz? Again, uh, I think right now we don't have a clear-cut number two. We might have uh, guys that are two A and two B. And uh, again, we'll, we'll see as the, as the preseason uh, roll along. Tory Mitchell's a, a real good depth center, but can also play the wing. He's got tremendous speed. Um, but you've got big Mike McCarron, too. Is is he a potential full-time center in the NHL, do yeah, you think? Yeah, I mean, he uh, he took some major stride last year in St. John. Uh, big body. Uh, I thought when he went to Oshawa Memorial Cup, then the middle played very well. Still a young player. And, you know, these kids take time. He's a big, he's a big kid, so he's knocking on the door. And that remains to be seen based on his camp where he's going to end up. Arturi Lekkinen was a real good young player for you last year. What growth do you see in, in him this year for a team that, as, as you admitted off the top, you need goals? Uh, yeah, not only he scores, he's, he's, uh, he's a very intelligent player. He, he's uh, away from the puck, he's very smart. He's got a quick release. He shoots the puck very hard. Uh, he's got a, a nose for the net. I mean, he's a very good player and uh, under the radar right now, but I think the league, the more, as, he get, as he's getting older, people will notice him more because if you don't watch him really closely, you don't realize what he does, but he's a, he plays the whole sheet. Is it possible Lekkinen could play as high in the lineup with Pacioretty and uh, um, Drouin on the top line? He's got the mind, a skill, a skill level to play that high, yes. Okay. Um, you signed Hemsky as, as a free agent. Um, what do you think he brings? Does he still, you think he's still got some, some Well, I believe he does. Yeah. I mean, he, he's been banged up, but uh, he's still a pretty good skater. He's got great hand and vision. And, uh, you know, we, we try to replace some, some goals and points by losing uh, Radu. Adding Joe really helps. But, uh, you know, if we could do it by committee, I think we're able to uh, sustain a pretty good uh, pace in scoring goals. Is it fair to say that you need a lot more this season from Brennan Gallagher and, and Shaw than Andrew Shaw than maybe you got last year? I think Galley started slow, but after Claude took over, I don't know if it was the timing of it, his game picked up where he used to be, and I believe, and I, and I want him to be back that same level, and if he does, we're in good shape. And Shazi, Shazi does a lot of things away from the puck, you know, on the power play, he gets loose puck, he always retrieves loose pucks, uh, he's in people's face, uh, he does some good things too, so... His, his performance for me not only uh, evaluate on goals and points on his all-around game, but uh, I believe he'll be able to chip in more. And then Paulie Barton had a great year last year. 
Charles Hudon has put up some nice numbers in the American Hockey League. Is he ready to be a National Hockey League player and contribute to your offense? I believe he's really close, and uh, this training camp will be uh, a very uh, important for him. Um, when you acquired Jonathan Drouin last year, there was great excitement because you were adding a really exciting offensive player to your team. And at the time, you still had Alex Radulov in your lineup. Um, but then Radulov left, and suddenly the Drouin acquisition, as, as great as it was, suddenly it, instead of it being on top of everything else, yeah. It was now it's sort of a might be a, a lateral mood. So, so let's talk a little bit about what happened with Radulov. Um, I know he ended up signing the, the the contract with the Dallas Stars for five years, six point two five million dollars. I might understand. Is it correct that you guys offered that contract? That's to correct. Him, but but was the, then why isn't he a Montreal Canadian? Only he can answer that question. Okay. Then why do you think he's not a Montreal Canadian? Uh, what do I think? I, I don't know. Maybe was it was it too late in the process? No, I mean I've tar I start talking to him uh, at the All Star game, so uh, and I promised when I did sign him last summer that if we're happy with his performance, I would open the talk as soon as I can, and I did. And at the time, they were really stuck on an eight-year deal, and I wasn't willing to do that. And then not still. In, uh, Understandably, I think. Yeah, I mean. I don't uh, think anybody was giving him an well, eight-year deal. I mean, that's a seven-year deal, even. Yeah, well, they couldn't. So, uh, and that didn't come off the table on their side till right before the draft. And until then, I had, my hands were tied. They wouldn't talk anything else than an eight-year deal. And I made that same offer, and uh, they decided to hit the market, probably hoping they were going to get more. You think you're going to miss him? Of course I'm going to miss him. I, I mean, I wanted him. I mean, I, I, I think I went above and beyond. Uh, trying to keep him in Montreal, uh, but put that aside, if we only look at Joe for Radu, I'm getting a 22-year-old for a 31-year-old, so uh, I think we're ahead of the game, even though I understand the uh, the one one for the other. Radulov's gone, Markov's gone, although you didn't want him to, to be gone, and in fact you didn't want Radulov to be gone either. Yeah. Um, Alexei Yemelin went in the, the expansion draft, although I think in fairness, you may be trying to move him before that. But in any case, three Russians leave town. Is that just coincidence? Well, yeah, because uh, you mentioned I tried to keep two of them. Yeah. So, And I really did. And honestly, I thought I had the deal done. Not, n not that they agree on, but I said pretty much meaning their demand. And when I turned around, they didn't take it. I was a little surprised. Um, I feel like we should say something nice about Max Pacioretty because I think he's really one of the underappreciated guys in in the National Hockey League I mean especially on his contract I mean he's got a contract he's got a couple of years left to go for less than five million dollars a year and all he does is he's like money in the bank mm -hmm. 30 goals 30 goals 30 plus goals 30 plus goals every year 60 plus points every year he's your captain uh, there's no reason to assume that anything's going to change on the captain front going in not at all not at all I think match um, Max was uh, voted by his teammates he's well appreciated by them uh, Montreal is, uh, you know, could be a tough market at times, but I, I like every year money in the bank, and I think you know being a captain, it's a learning curve, and he also learned the last couple of years, and bringing Shea along really helped him, and I think you know he, he's on the right track. I think the amazing thing about Patch Reddy's productivity too is we've been talking a lot about 
a lack of number one centers and playmaking centers for a winger in the National Hockey League to score that consistently at that level without an elite center setting them up all the time, I, uh, I think that's really something. Um, am I wrong in, in saying that you, you've been the general manager now for, many, for a number of years and it's been your team for a while, but what, with the changes that have happened on the blue line that now more than ever, um, this team is, is Mark Bergevin's team? Well, yeah, I mean, it's my team. I, I put players there, I acquire, I sign players that I wanted to, but uh, again, you know, and I'm always trying to get better, and tomorrow you could see a, a move being made on defense. I mean, it's not what I'm trying to do, but anything's possible, trying to get better every day. Maybe you don't feel this way, but when I look at it, I don't know, I, I get a feeling a little bit maybe that the Montreal Canadiens are at a fork in the road, that that those playoff performances of, of third round, second round, first round, even though we know with Carey Price and Net, you could almost be guaranteed to be a 100-point team every year, that, that this is a season that will kind of define which direction th this group of players is going to go. Do you see it that way at all? Uh, I, I don't, but I understand and I accept that comment you're making where people could think that. Uh, but when you with your team every day, you know exactly, you know, and respectfully, you guys watch, you know, 30 or one of their teams now, and you get beaten, bitten pieces everywhere. But uh, if next year I feel that, you know, whatever happened in the playoff, we make the playoff, whether we win two rounds, we lose first round, whatever, I'll make the changes I need, uh, I feel need to be made to make this team better. And if at some point I think I have to take a step backward, take two forward, I'll do that. But right now, I mean, I feel comfortable with the team we have. I know general managers never worry about job security. You, you, can't, you can't do your job that way. But did you feel like you're a little more under the gun this year just because of the trend, the way it's gone in the playoffs and, and the fact that you are coming in with a defense that is being completely overhauled? The what, Bob? May 2nd, 2012, I've been walking with a gun in my head since then, so <laughs> nothing changed this year. <laughs> and that would have been the day of? <laughs> they got a hire in Montreal, May 2nd, 2012. <laughs> you remember that? Yeah. All right. Well, you know what they always say about the fork in the road, as Yogi Berry used to say, if you hit the fork in the road, take it. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> Just take one. Take one. <laughs> Anyways, uh, merci beaucoup. Have a great season, and uh, thanks very much for doing this. Thanks, Bob. Thank you. Okay, that's it for the At TSN Hockey Every Other Friday Bobcast. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you would like to submit a question on hockey or just about anything else, email it to bobcast at bellmedia.ca. That's B-O-B-C-A-S-T at bellmedia.ca, and we'll try to get it on the next Bobcast. Be sure to follow me on Twitter. That's At TSN Bob McKenzie. And for great hockey coverage all year round, follow the At TSN Hockey Twitter account and make tsn.ca your source for all things hockey, especially for the Tuesday and Thursday editions of Insider Trading with myself, Darren Dreger, and Pierre Lebrun. Thanks for tuning into the Bobcast. See you next time, and have a great weekend.